few weeks ago, I started this series, Two Masters. It really is the idea that, that Jesus said you cannot serve both God and money. There's only one real master. And uh, then a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was preaching on tithing. And some of you are thinking, I'm so glad I missed that one. Honey, aren't you glad that we were not here that day? Uh, we, we missed that one in the series. Well, I got bad news for you. That was just part one. Part two is today. I'm going to finish that series. But when I was in Cleveland last week, Ron was filling in for me, and I appreciate that, Ron. And uh, my wife texted me, and she said, well, Ron set the bar pretty high. He said he did a good job, and he let him out 10 minutes early. Set the bar really high. Um, so don't, get it, don't get used to that, okay? But I do want to pick up where we left off uh, as we talked a couple of weeks ago uh, about tithing. After that message, something interesting happened. I had a, a two or three, I can't remember if it was two or three, different men whom, whom I love and respect, friends of mine here in the church. I had two or three different men who came to me or, or saw me later, you know, and, uh, and just talked to me. And, and first of all, they were complimentary of the message, and I appreciated what they had to say. And then every one of them said essentially the same thing. Boy, that sure is a hard one to preach, isn't it? I bet you hate preaching on money. I bet tithing, that, that's a hard one to preach on. And I said, yeah, you're right, it is. But I got to thinking about that later, and I started asking the question, why? Why is that a hard one to preach on? Why is that a hard one for, for you to hear? Why, why is that such a sensitive issue? I mean, think about it. If I were to get up and preach on heaven, on hell, on on marriage, on list any other thing, it would be okay. But if, but if the preacher preaches on money, that somehow seems to be off limits. That, or at least it's a little uncomfortable. Why is that? Why is it so uncomfortable? Maybe. Just maybe it could be because money has more of a hold on us than we're willing to admit. Maybe money has more of a hold on us than we're willing to admit. I'm just like you. I need this kind of stuff. I, I need this so that I can go to the grocery store. I need this so that I can pay my light bill. I need this so that, uh, you know, I can pay for the car. I need this to pay for my son's education. I, I'm just like you. I need this. But what I have found in 28 years of pastoring is that for some people, they have a hard time letting go of this. And when the offering plate goes by, they know that they should give. They know that they ought to give. And deep down, they kind of want to give. But when that plate comes by, it's like, we, we can't afford to give. And they just can't seem to let go of it. Y'all all right out there? And you wonder, how in the world is he doing that? What I want you to wonder is, why are you holding on to it? Well, it's because I need it. It's because... I've got, I've, got to, I've got to have it. And it's so hard to let go of. I believe that's why Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You serve the one or you serve the other, but you can't serve both. You see, here's what we want to do most often. We want to try to separate our faith from our finances. Our faith is over here. Our faith is very legitimate, our faith is very real, and we're serving the Lord, and we love the Lord, and, and this is our faith. And then over here, well, this is our finances. 
and in our minds, we've got them well separated. But it's a separation that is not in Scripture. A separation that God never makes. You see, see if this makes sense to anybody. If we belong to Christ, doesn't it make sense that everything that we have belongs to Him as well? There was a man that some of you perhaps know if you're a history buff. His name was Sam Houston. Sam Houston uh, was born in Virginia, but he was later a congressman in the great state of Tennessee. And then he was a governor of the great state of Tennessee. And then for some reason he moved to Texas, where he became a commander of, of the Texas Army. And then later he became a U.S. senator from the state of Texas, and eventually he became the sixth governor of the state of Texas. But life on the frontier was rugged and rough, Men were molded on the frontier uh, by their ability to fight and get their way. And often men on the frontier would drink and gamble and cuss and kill. And Sam Houston was one of those guys. In fact, Sam Houston's nickname was Big Drunk. That was his nickname. Later in life, Houston heard Dr. Rufus Burleson preach. And at the invitation, Sam Houston walked down the aisle. He put his hand in the preacher's hand. He said, I give to you my hand and I give my heart to Jesus Christ. He was radically saved, radically changed. Sam was baptized on November the 19th, 1854. On that day, when word spread that Big Drunk was getting baptized, 250 people showed up to watch. They just couldn't believe that Big Drunk was getting baptized. Just before Burleson was to baptize Sam, he noticed that he had his pocket watch. And he said, Sam, you, you probably want to take that pocket watch off and that chain and give it to somebody else. It'll get ruined when I put you in this water. And, and he said, yes, sir, you're right. And he took the pocket watch off and handed it to a friend. He said, Sam, you probably want to give him your billfold as well. And he said, no, sir. Pastor, I need to baptize that as well. And Sam Houston came up out of the water with his wet billfold, which was a testimony that not only have I given my life to Jesus Christ, I've given everything I have to Him. That's why Jesus said, you can't have two masters. You can't serve both God and money. Here's what I want you to learn today. Tithing is not a money issue. Tithing is not a money issue. It is a master issue. It's going to be the master. The perfect example of all of this is found in Scripture, and it's in Malachi chapter 3. So would you open God's Word, go back to where we left off last time. Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3, I'll begin reading in verse 7. God is speaking to His people, and He says in verse 7, Ever since the time of your forefathers, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But you ask, how are we to return? You know what they were asking? They were asking, what have we done wrong? What's the area where, we, where we've missed it? What's the area where we've messed up? How are we to return? Where do we need to come back? What have we done wrong? And here's what God says. Verse 8, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. 
But you ask, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You're under curse, the whole nation of you, because you are, present tense, robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Let me review just what we talked about last week very quickly before we get into the rest of the message. Now, some of you were not here two weeks ago, so let me just rehearse what we talked about. We said, first of all, talking about tithing, that tithing is essentially returning. It's not so much about giving as it is returning. Tithing is returning 10%. The word tithe literally means 10%. Tithing is returning 10% to God. That's why it's not just giving. You see, from time to time, people think, well, I give a little bit or I tithe. And what they're really talking about, they just give from, they give from time to time. But that's not tithing. Tithing is when I take 10% of my income and I consistently give that back to God. It's returning a tenth part of what God has given you back to Him. Tithing, that's why the Bible says if you're not doing that, you're robbing God because you're keeping what you want to be returning. Now, second thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago is this, that tithing teaches you to put God first in your life. There are very few areas where you can actually see if God is first in your life. This is one of those areas. One of those areas where you can actually see whether or not God is really first. You see, tithing is an act that demonstrates priority, where you, in essence, are saying, God, I want to put you first in my life, and to prove it, I'm going to put you first in my money. I'm not saying it's easy to do that, but what I am saying is this, and I hope somebody will say amen if you found this to be true. What I have found is this, it's easier to live on 90% in the will of God than 100% out of the will of God. You found that to be true. Tithing demonstrates that you want to put God first in your life. And you demonstrate that by putting God first in your money. It brings us to number three. This is now new material we've called up. Here's the third thing that I want to tell you. Tithing, and I'm just going to stay on this one statement for a good while this morning. Tithing is a statement of faith. Tithing is a statement of faith. Notice the challenge that is in verse 10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house, and then get your pen or pencil ready. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I did a study of the Bible, and I found out that God never uses that phrase, test me, anywhere else in the Bible. It's never repeated again. The only place where we are challenged to put God to the test is in the area of trusting God with our finances. God is saying, let's have a challenge. Let's have a contest. You give to me, I'll give to you. Let's see who wins. You give to me, I'll give to you. Let's see who gives the most. Test me in this. God is saying, I dare you. I dare you to trust me. I dare you to obey me. I dare you to tithe. I dare you to put me first. God is in essence saying, when he says, test me in this, you want to know if I'm real? Test me. Put me to the test. Start tithing and see what happens. Now, let me be clear about something. I am not suggesting that you tithe in order to get something out of God. But I am saying 
Tithing is a matter of obedience. But listen to this. Like everything else in life in our walk with God, when you obey God, you can expect blessings from God. When you obey God, you can expect life to go better. Here's what we need to realize. When you fail to tithe, you're not just robbing God. You are robbing yourself of the blessings that would come from your obedience. Please don't forget that. You're robbing yourself of the blessings that God wants to give you. You see, the hand that closes the window of heaven too often is ours, not God's. I wish we had time for testimonies this morning. I'm convinced that there are some families here today uh, that have personally experienced God's provision. And and you could say in testimony, I know what it's like. I I know what it is to see that God is faithful. You know what it's like to honor God and, and have God honor you. Tithing is a way to prove God's promises. Tithing shows what you think about God. Tithing, when you're having problems, letting go of it. Tithing shows what you think about God. Tithing shows that you believe God can be trusted. That you believe God can be trusted to meet your needs. A couple of weeks ago, someone told me that he said, after the service, he said, do you know when I started tithing? I said, no. He said, I started tithing when I heard a pastor say that he had never met a former tither. Caught my attention. He said the pastor said he had never met a former tither because every time somebody decides to really trust God and every time they, they begin to uh, follow the Lord and what God says, once they saw that God could be trusted, once they experienced the blessings of their obedience, Once they realized that God does provide for our needs and more, once they started tithing, usually they never stopped. pastor said, I've never met a former tither. Now, listen, listen. God knew this would be a big decision for you. God knew that this would be something that we would all struggle with. That's why he said in the Scripture, test me. The only time he ever says it in Scripture, he says it right here. God says, test me. Come on. Come on, test me. Not sure if you can do it. Not sure if I'll come through. Not sure how it's going to work out. God says, test me. Now, whenever you talk to someone about tithing, I've been pastoring for 28 years. Whenever you talk to someone about tithing, they usually have one of three responses. I've seen it again and again and again in the two churches that I've pastored. And they've had one of three responses. Here's the first one. Whenever they start getting convicted about tithing, sometimes they say, well, I'll do this gradually. I'll take it gradually. I'll start out at 2% or I'll start out at 5% and, and work my way up. That's like saying I used to rob six stores, but by the grace of God, I only now rob three. Don't rob as many as I used to. The goal is not to rob God of less. The goal is not to rob God at all. Apparently, God knew that this would be our inclination. Because in verse 10, he says, bring the whole tithe. Everybody say whole. Whole. He said, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Did you know that the average Christian in America today currently gives 2.3% of their income to the Lord? Average Christian, 2.3%. Jesus Christ died on the cross in our place for our sin as our sacrifice, and we can only trust him for 2.3% of our income. 
Tithing is a matter of faith. How much do you believe God can be trusted? So don't take it gradually. Just say, Lord, we're going to step out in obedience. Here's the second response that people often make when they start talking about tithing. Well, I give to other causes. Well, that's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing to give to other causes. Many wonderful parachurch ministries and missionaries and, and places where you could give your money. But that's not tithing. Look again at the text. Don't take my word for it. Just look at the text. Bring the whole tithe, and he says, into the storehouse. You see, what is the storehouse? Well, read any commentary you want to read. Talk to any Hebrew scholar you want to talk to, and they will tell you that the storehouse is God's house. And he says, so that my house will be full. You see, tithing enables the church to carry on its mission and its ministry. That was not man's plan. That was God's plan. The, the word whole is emphatic in Hebrew. It means all of it. Now, I love parachurch ministries like Samaritan's Purse, and, and I love to support missionaries and all of those kind of things. But the church has a special place in the heart of God, and the, the church has a special mission from God. And the Scripture teaches that what we do has kingdom implications at the church. When you give, you enable our church to do what God has called us to do. So God says, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that my house may be full. Now, here's a third thing that sometimes people say when you talk about tithing. I've heard this more than once. I will tithe my time. I'm not going to tithe my money, but I'll tithe my time. We rationalize our disobedience and we substitute something else to make up for it. Now, your time is valuable. I'll I'll admit that. Your time is very valuable because you can't get any more. You can't get it back. You can get more money, but you can't get more time. So when you give your time, you're giving something very valuable. But, dear friend, that is still not tithing. God did not say, you are robbing me of my time with you. God said, you're robbing me of tithes and offerings. You see, when God speaks to us by his word, when God makes his will known, there's only one acceptable response and that is obedience. We don't weigh the options. We don't examine the alternatives. We don't negotiate the terms. We simply do what God tells us to do and leave the rest with Him. Do you know the purpose of tithing? I'm about to close. Don't put your Bibles away. Don't put your books away. Don't put your purses away. But just look this way for a moment. Do you know the purpose of tithing? Ultimately, the purpose of tithing is to teach you to trust God. That's in Scripture, by the way. It's in Deuteronomy. We don't have time to read it. I think it's Deuteronomy 14.23, I believe, if I remember correctly. It's to teach you to revere and trust God. Jeffrey Kennedy said, Faith is not believing in spite of evidence. It is obeying in spite of the consequences. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to get out your, your wallet, and I'm not taking an offering. Don't get nervous. I want you to get out your wallet, your purse, your billfold, whatever you have. Uh, I want you to take out a piece of money. If you have a, a, a bill, that would be great. If not, if you have a, a coin, if you have a penny, a nickel, a dime, a quarter, whatever you have, I need you to get out a piece of money. If you don't have one, ask your neighbor.
Now, if you're, I, I see people passing money down the road. Well, that's pretty cool. They're just passing it down the road. Here, I don't hear you. Here, you take it out. Now, here's what you do. If your neighbor has given you something significant, you know, if they gave you a 20 or, or 10 is significant. If they gave you a significant bill, here's what you do. You just say, God bless you. I appreciate your generosity. <laughs> now, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. You make sure it gets back. All right, here's what I need you to do. On your coin or on your bill, I want you to find five or four words. They're on the back of of the $10 bill. The four words are, in God we trust. Have you found it? In God we trust. Everybody look here. Isn't it ironic? Isn't it ironic that the one thing we are, we struggle to trust God with, tells us to trust God. Isn't that ironic? The one thing we struggle to learn to learn that God can be trusted. If we just look at our money, it even tells us in God we trust. The question is do you? So every time you tithe when that offering plate is passed and you put that in the offering plate you're in essence saying, God, I do trust you. I know I got bills to pay. I know I got to put groceries on the table. God, I know I've got a car payment. I've got a house payment. But God, I know most of all, I want to be 100% surrendered to you. I want to be 100% in line with your word. And so before I write any other checks, I'm writing my check to you first, God, because I want you to be first in my life. And one of the ways to demonstrate that you are indeed first in my life is to look at my money and realize what it tells me. In God, I will trust. Let me pray with you. With heads bowed, eyes closed. Heads bowed, eyes closed. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment today. Some of you, if you need to come to the altar, feel free to come and pray about it. Feel free to come and and just get on your knees before God and say, God, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm coming to this altar just to make it clear and plain, not to others, but God, just to cement it in my heart, and I'm going to be obedient to you. Others perhaps come to this altar because you've got some kind of need in your life. Something's come up this week, and you really need talk to the Lord, so feel free to do that. But, some of you, I'm going to ask you whether they're in the pew or or coming to the altar to make the commitment. God, I believe Jesus was right when he said you can only have two masters, or you, you can't have two masters. You can't serve both God and money. So today, God, I acknowledge that my faith is in you. In you, I will trust. beginning this week with your help I'll tithe that's a huge step and God says test me just test me maybe you want to say Lord I'm just going to take you at your word and for the next 90 days I'm just going to test you test me and see God says and I'm asking you to make that commitment whether you make it publicly or make it there where you're at making that commitment to walk in obedience to God's Word.
And then others of you today, perhaps you've never given your life to Christ, that before you ever give Him your money, He wants you to give Him your heart. He wants you to give Him your life. And I'm going to give you that opportunity to realize that Christ Jesus loves you so much that He gave you something far greater than money. He gave His life for you. And if you'll give your life to Him, the Bible says that you can be saved. Believing that Christ died on the cross, that He died in your place, that He died for your sins. You could say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Be my Savior. Change me and make me a new person. And I'll live for you for the rest of my life. You can pray that prayer. You can come here today and we'll introduce you to Christ. Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you will be glorified in this time of invitation as we decide to trust you and obey you. In Christ's name I pray.